happen. I just want him to wither. I want to watch him wither. Would you rather beat him up or watch him wither in 15 minutes? I would rather... You know uh, Princess Bride? You were, Have you seen that movie? Yeah. You know the bit where he's like laying in the bed and Susan Sarandon's brother comes in and is like, we're going to fight to the death. And, and he says, no, we're going to fight to the pain. And he describes what to the pain is. Yeah. I want to the pain. Right. But the problem is okay. that he's always, like, he's already, like, ugly on the outside. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about his insides? Also ugly. Mm. I th- What's the prettiest part of Donald Trump? His shoes? I can't say that I've ever noticed his shoes, so I guess. Right. Because, like, his clothes are bad. Right. His body is bad. His face is bad. His face is bad. His hair, his is, hair bad. is bad. His brain is bad. His heart is bad. Bad. But I've never noticed his shoes. I've so never noticed his shoes. They, I bet he has nice regular shoes. They can't be it's that bad. It's hard to screw shoes up if you spend a lot of money on them. Yeah. Well, there you go. We cracked it. <laughs> remember, remember, remember in the debates when that guy was like, please say one nice thing about the opposing candidate. That was us going through that question. Yeah. Hmm. What did Hillary say about Donald Trump? I forget. I'm sure it was complete nonsense. It was very backhanded. Um, was it something about then, his family? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was that he has a nice family. What a nightmare. What a nightmare that we currently live in. Yeah. I don't know if it counts as a nightmare if there's no waking up from it. I feel that there are certain people who who engage in, like, you know, who live nightmares. That's not a nightmare, then. What is the nature of a nightmare in this metaphor? What is the nature of a nightmare in this metaphor? It's like, you know, going to sleep. We've all been asleep for four years, and we're in this hellscape. That suggests that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which is you wake up in a cold sweat. Do you think that there's no light at the end of the tunnel? No. All right, great. Let's start the podcast. Great. Gonna make a big splash. Don't have the salt splash. The littlest league possible. The littlest league possible. Welcome back to Tater Tots for our penultimate week, right? Well, our penultimate week of of regular programming. Let's say our penultimate week of season one, kind of. Kind of. It's not. Kind of. In no way is this our penultimate week. Listen, the first Major League Baseball games are in the books, uh, with plenty more coming later on this week. Um, Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday? Thursday. Wednesday? Tuesday? Phillies open on Thursday. Instead of the Pirates. So it's usually the day before. No, they changed that, didn't they? I'm Tim. I'm Duncan. And we're still uh, wrapping up our, our favorite one home run performances from the year 2018. This week we have a double tot. It's Dixon Machado, middle infielder extraordinaire, formerly of the Detroit Tigers, and Luis Sardinius, utility infielder extraordinaire, formerly of the Baltimore Orioles. Folks, they're not on the teams they were once on. We will get to that and more. Our opening day is on uh, Thursday. You were you were right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course you should know. Going you got, got tickets. tickets. You're going to go see your friend Andrew. Uh, and you're you're going to go boo your friend Bryce. Yeah. 
you're gonna go shake hands with your Absolutely friend Reese. Absolutely gonna boo him. He deserves it. Uh, who else they got? Yep. You're gonna go say what's up to your friend JT. Um, you're definitely gonna go yeah. bend over backwards in pursuit of your friend uh, Jake. He's flexible. Bend over it because he's a flexible, dude. Yeah, all that and more. It'll be good. Uh, are you gonna live tweet the opening day where you go to? I don't think so because I want to be present. You wanna, you wanna enjoy the game. I do. You? I think that I. Yeah. What? Go ahead. I was gonna say that I will. I will certainly take like some video of Bryce Harper. Okay. Because that seems very significant. Where are your seats? Seat. Uh, let's see. It's uh, section four twenty two. So high um, up, which is very high up, but it is like right above home plate, which is a seat that I really like. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. It's kind of hard to get those seats at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Really. Um. So yeah, every time I go. And like you know, you have to kind of look in those upper decks because it's it gets a little expensive if you go anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and so every time I look for tickets there, I'm like, well, how close can I get to behind home plate? Yeah. And usually it's like down the foul line or in the outfield. This time I was uh, able to manage a single seat uh, above home plate, very high up. So it'll be fun. That's terrific. It's going to be very difficult to get any reasonable footage of Bryce Harper from that vantage. No, but, you know, just, like, the crowd reaction and everything. Right. Is... They'll say uh, the starting right fielder, uh, number, let's say, uh, 17. Do you, you don't know his number? What's his number? It's three. Three. Number three, so... Bryce Harper. Harper. Reese Hoskins is number 17. It's funny that you picked 17. Interesting. That I bet yeah. that was some kind of sub- subconscious thing. I'm sure that it was. Um, and then the crowd, uh, do your impression of what the crowd's going to be like. Yeah, that's not bad. That one's a Is little it, spookier it, than the last one. It sounded kind of spooky from my end. And maybe there's some like wolf whistles. No, it's like. <laughs> no, they're more like. Because they find Vice Bryce Harper just like sexy. Who doesn't? He's got nice Who hair. Who doesn't? He's got nice hair. Um, you yeah, promised also... to live tweet the um, the A's Mariners game in, in Japan. And then I slept in. And then you slept right on in. Because we had, uh... oh, I've been doing a lot of improv comedy this week. Uh-huh. You had stayed as... up late the previous night? No, I needed to sleep. I was very tired. You were so tired that you didn't wake up until like 6.30 a.m. I woke up at 6, thank you. <laughs> How dare you? Wake up at 6. You missed the first hour. Well, really the first half hour because the half game started hour. at 5.30 EST. I tweeted a little bit. You did. I didn't I didn't mean for this to be a segment bashing you. You kind of leaned into it, though. Um, I'm happy to. Um, okay, speaking of segments, how about the Tutsu? Okay. Anything good? Uh, let's find out. Great. Uh, Pete Cosma. Relegated to Tigers minor league camp. Oh, no. Pete Cosma. What has become of him? He pretty much stayed the same. I don't know. Yeah, he was never good. He's always kind of For some reason, he was kind of a name. Oh, he was a name because for a brief period, we followed that Twitter account that, like, highlighted all the most miserable, like, Cardinals fan interactions on social media. Best fans in baseball. 
best fans in baseball, and they hated Pete Cosma. I do not think that's why I think Pete Cosma was a name. I, I, I have only followed best fans in baseball for very brief periods because it's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's kind of an overwhelming experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's one of those players that the Cardinals tend to collect up where he's just kind of like a scrappy middle infielder who can kind of play around. Right. I kind of like that. And presumably he was good at least once as a Cardinal. Um, I think he's I think he's just kind of always been a like a quad A level player. Yeah. It's true. Somewhere I'm looking at his stats now and he has never been any good. One year. Yeah, so. The year was 2012. That was his best year. I'm going to tell you his batting line. Uh, no, I'm not, because he only had uh, 82 plate appearances, so it's misleading. Well, okay, oh, it was 333, okay. 383, 569, which is an exceptional batting line, but through a very small sample. The next year, when he actually, that performance uh, drove him to the starting lineup for the Cardinals, uh, he hit 217, 275, 273, which is atrocious. Yeah, he's not very good. Uh, no, but at least he has been a tater tot once, twice, three times, four times. No. And for that reason? Once, twice, three times, four. Four, ti- four times. And those are four very good reasons to give Pete Cosmo our undying support. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Eric Gonzalez. Opening day shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Who could have seen this one coming? Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, hope springs eternal uh, every offseason. And when the Pirates traded for Eric Gonzalez in, like, November, I certainly said, well, that's a good bench move. Maybe they'll get, uh, you know, like Jose Iglesias or someone. But actually, I don't know. People are kind of excited about him. Um, the people who have seen him have said that he's, like, athletic and and his defense is pretty good uh and like he's replacing jordy mercer who is like a competent hitter but not a great hitter for sure jordy mercer the new tigers correct yeah Uh, reunited with josh harrison reunited and it feels so good yeah i think that we would be amiss not to be rooting our little hearts out uh for eric gonzalez he accomplished would, something. He's the starting yeah, shortstop for he's the Pirates. Starting shortstop. Sure, and I mean, he certainly came from a situation in Cleveland where it would have been difficult for him to break into that role being blocked in the middle infield by Francisco Lindor, who is one of the top five best baseball players out right now, and uh, Jason Kipnis, who is an above-average second baseman. Yeah. Um, so, you yeah, know, good for him. Uh, hopefully he makes the most of it in Pittsburgh, and maybe we will love him as much as we love Jordy Mercer. Uh, you can't. That's impossible because Mercer is the name of a county in Western Pennsylvania, in my opinion. Mercer County. Yeah. So that yeah. that that's <laughs> a lot to live up to, having the name there's, of a county. There's no Gonzalez County, unfortunately. Do you think there's a Gonzalez County somewhere in America? Yeah. Where? I don't know, but I'm willing to bet you that there is. Gonzalez County. I misspelled both of those words. Texas. Uh, Texas. Yep. Oh, what's, what city is there? Oh, I see the biggest city in Gonzalez County is Gonzalez. Really? Yep. Population of a little bit under 20,000. It's pretty small county. 
it's close. It's it's kind of in between San Antonio and Austin. All right. Uh, Who's next? My man fell asleep here. Uh, it's uh, Christopher Chris- Negron who cleared waivers and was outreaded to the Marlin- Mariners AAA. Tough. Yeah. Sorry, tough. Christopher Negron. He's had uh, he's had a little bit of a career, I think. I yeah. And you know, I don't think that we've seen the last of Christopher Negron. No, I think he's certainly a capable um, baseball player, and I think that he's in a position with the Marlins to. Mariners. Oh, excuse me, with the Mariners. Yeah, I made the same mistake. For same mistake. Reason. Can't figure it. Uh, it's probably uh, because most of the tater tots are on the Miami Marlins. That's true. Did he, like, do something notable at some point? or? Uh, he was good one year, 2014. And that's why they traded him to... Uh, no, I don't, I don't think he was ever traded. No, he signed with the Diamondbacks on a minor league contract, and he was traded for cash to the Mariners. Well, uh, uh, here's my top take on Christopher Negron. I don't think we've seen the last of him. Here's my top take on Christopher Negron. For the 2018 season, he had the fastest base running sprint speed of all major league third basemen. What? Uh, I kind of didn't read that sentence in order when I saw it for the first time, and I thought it was more impressive than it was. Well, it's still impressive. There are a lot of major league third basemen. Was he primarily a third baseman? Because I know him to be a super utility player. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm just looking at the StatCast Sprint Speed leaderboard. Yeah. What a fun leaderboard to look at. At which he is at the top, so he must have played a fair amount. At Well, you need at least some number of opportunities to run as fast as you can. Hey, let's, uh, let's take a minute here and see if you can guess anybody else on this top ten list. Do you think I can't? I think I want to see if you can. Is it among just third basemen? Yes. Yes. Hmm. I can't think of any other third baseman. <laughs> really? Not one? Uh, I can. I can think of Alex Bregman, but I don't think he's going to be one of them. He's not in the top ten. Yeah. He's close, though. Well, I can think of, like, Josh Donaldson, but he didn't really play. Was it Matt Chapman? He's number five. Okay. I don't... I think you maybe get one more. <laughs> you know, what's notable about this list, though, is that there are one, two, three... Three tater tots in the top ten. Three? Well, now I feel some pressure. No, you shouldn't. I mean, they're not... We haven't covered them, really. Oh. Then I definitely won't get them. Uh... Uh, uh, is it Miguel Andujar? He is number 15, right behind Alex Bergman. Okay, then I think that I've run out of guesses. Great, uh, top 10, Christopher Negron. Uh, number one, number two, uh, Tater Tot, Yadiel Rivera, the Miami Marlins. Number three, Phil Goslin, uh, Cincinnati Reds. Number four, Jace Peterson, Baltimore Orioles. Number five, Matt Chapman, the Gold Glove winner. Number six, Tater Tot, Yolmer Sanchez. Okay. Num- number seven, Will Myers. What? Of everybody knows. Will Myers yeah. is still that fast. 28.1 seconds. I'll be. Speed. Uh, number eight, Taylor Ward, mm. Los Angeles Angels. Number nine, and this is when you asked me if it was just third baseman, I got kind of thrown because I know him to be a catcher, but he's on this list, is listed as third baseman, uh, is Isaiah Kiner-Falifa, 
Interesting. Uh, of the Texas Rangers. And number 10, of course, is Chris Bryant. Right. Uh, maybe I should have guessed Chris Bryant. Eduardo <laughs> Escobar's on this list. Uh, Matt Duffy's a little ways down this list. Right. Matt Duffy's, uh, Matt Duffy's fast. I'm surprised he's not further up, actually. Yeah. It's a fun list. This is a fun website. I want to play around with Oh, this yeah, list. yeah. If you've never played around with the sprint speed leaderboards, I highly recommend it. Baseball Savant. Yeah. Oh, Baseball Savant Duffy. has got all sorts of things. That's just uh, uh, just one of them. All right, who's up next? Yeah. Orioles option, uh, Anthony Santander to Norfolk. Yeah, that article stood out to me because there was like, I mean, I read a little bit about Anthony Santander this off season, and it seems like people are kind of excited about him. We're going to get to talk to him, talk about him a little bit later in the episode. We have an interview um, with him coming up. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Santander is on the podcast this Saturday morning. Yep. Um, uh, the, the sort of real news that's buried in this tot stove headline is that austin hayes who is the orioles top prospect uh has also been sent down right um which is obviously very frustrating for orioles fans um but there was a lot of hope for anthony santander which is interesting to me for reasons that i will discuss later um and he's also down in triple a now okay too bad please remember to discuss it later yeah if i don't i'm gonna be real embarrassed uh and we won't cut it out if you do forget so that's a warning to you. Great. Julio Tehran is for the sixth year in a row the Atlanta Braves opening day starting pitcher. And you said, question mark, question mark. This also surprised me. Uh, one, because Julio Tehran, the rap on him, of course, originally is that he's so young. And so I've kept that impression in my head for the past six years, seven years, uh, despite time having passed. Sure. Um. And the other thing is that he was always, like, in tandem with Alex Wood, or was for a long time. So I figured one of them would have gone to Alex Wood before he went to the Dodgers. Uh, Wait, who? Alex Wood? What about Alex he Wood? He was the Braves. Alex Wood was on the Braves? Yeah, he was one of their two big young pitchers that they were going to trade one of before they traded Julio Tehran. They didn't trade Julio Tehran. Yeah, I know. You're saying they traded Alex Wood before they traded Right, Julio they Tehran. were going to trade both, and they never ended up trading, or they haven't ended up trading, trading Tehran. Who did they get Alex? Who did they get for Alex Wood? Um, I don't remember. Okay. It was quite. It was well, a listen. couple years ago at this point, but probably yeah. some good players. Probably. I mean, Alex Wood certainly made a nice little career. He's the opening day starter for the Reds, I believe. Yeah that that would make sense. So now both of those two have become uh, opening day starters for some teams. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Post Gazette hired a new beat writer this offseason named Nubias Wilborn who came from Atlanta uh-huh. and had been covering the Braves. Mm-hmm. And his impression, I think he even, like, shared some writing that he had done last season on Tehran and, like, how he kind of choked in the postseason for the Braves. And everybody kind of thought that he was done in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now he's their opening day starter again, so. Yeah, I mean, sometimes he's bad, but then usually he's fine. But, you know, the Braves have been bad for a lot of that time. So it didn't make that big a difference. Um, why don't they have better pitch? Why don't they sign Dallas Keuchel? What are they doing? I don't know. I just, a while ago it was the rap on them that they they were overflowing with all this good young pitching, and now they they have got no good young pitching. But they got great young hitting. Yeah, of course. Why don't they just go sign Dallas? Just have somebody. <laughs> uh, because they're happy to have Julio Tehran play every game. And Mike Fultonevich. Yeah. Can I? 
I want to. What, what's the website for like rotations? What do I look? Roster at? resource. Roster resource. Do you want to know the Braves opening day starting rotation? <laughs> yeah, of course I do. Julio Tehran. Yes. Kevin Gausman. Right. Sean Newcomb. Okay. Tuki Toussaint. Oh, good. And that's it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're missing the, something. <laughs> well, it looks like Mike Fultonovich is uh, gonna start the season on the injured list. Uh huh. With elbow tightness, which is a scary thing, I would imagine, for a pitcher to have. So he's not going to pitch this year. Who else they got? That's it. Oh, boy. <laughs> you Minor know, the Braves, everyone know. is expecting great things out of them. But do you know what Pakota has them projected for? Tell me. 80 and 82. That's not very good. No, it's not very good. They have uh, Josh Tomlin in AAA. Okay. Um... And he's out of options, so I think that he'll probably, he might fill that role. All right, uh, this is a good web. This is a good little website. Isn't that a great little website? Uh, Shouts out know. to rosterresource.com for helping us with our fantasy baseball. And by fantasy Gosh. baseball, I mean this podcast where we fantasize about baseball players. There's just like tons and tons of information on here. It's good, and it's updated super quick. You know what I never like am aware of at all mm. is how many options a player has left oh but it's important information it's such important information and it's right here yeah i go to that website uh frequently it's a good website mm-hmm. all right let's move on what's left uh michael a taylor's uh gonna start the season on the aisle for the nationals which is gonna open the door for uh, andrew stevenson to get himself a opening day roster spot as a fourth outfielder um funny that that happened I, I i can't think of anyone of note on the nationals outfield can't think of anything of can't, note that would have happened in the nationals outfield this offseason yeah i don't know why they have to have andrew stevenson playing just nothing coming to mind yeah are they replacing like it seems Someone. like they had a lot of production formally but i can't think of why that might have been can't think of where that production would have gone to that's unimportant yeah uh, and Alex Verdugo is going to make the roster for the Dodgers, which is actually, I'm very excited about that. You're excited about it. Alex Verdugo has come up more often in Tater Toss discussions than any other player just because he was rumored in so many potential trades just because the the Dodgers have, were overflowing with outfield options, although they did trade Yasiel Puig, as mentioned they, now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I'm like, I was very, it felt like a real, uh, I felt like a lot of closure when I saw that. Um that he's like that at least we know what he's doing and it's playing for the Dodgers this year. <laughs> right. I, um, I I I I won't feel closure until uh July 31st comes and he is either traded or not traded. I think he will be a big smash hit for the Dodgers. You think this he's going to be like, yet another good outfielder for the Dodgers. Just like every out like every rookie outfielder that the Dodgers has ever had that has been like amazing and they're like, This guy's the MVP, he's the next Joe DiMaggio or whatever, and then they like trade him to the Reds because they think he has a bad attitude all of a sudden. Or he's Jock Peterson. And he's just kind of there. Yeah, Jock Peterson is interesting. We talked about him last week. He's Jewish. Yeah. Uh, that's all the uh Tot Stove news. Turning off the Tot Stove, maybe forever, or at least for a while. There's going to be a lot of Todd Stove news next week, of course, because the rosters are going to be finalized. True. Good point. So we're going to have one more huge Todd Stove segment, and then we'll fire down the Todd Stove and turn on the um, Todd oven. Okay.
We're going to bake tater tots, which is how actually I think they're traditionally made. You're supposed to be. You can't make tater tots on the stove. That's weird that we went through this whole podcast without making a note of that. I think we did. In one of the early episodes, you had to explain to me what tater tots were. (laughs) Boy, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I thought that they were like little cubes of potatoes and you were like, no, they're like reconstituted potatoes and cornstarch. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Good times. Nah, it was okay. Um, I think that we should do... I want to talk about I the think Mean that... Girls thing. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, Did you like it? I liked that Brent Suter mentioned that he went to Harvard because we had Can talked introdu- about that previously. Can you introduce it first? Yeah, we'll... um, so the Brewers put out a little sketch, a little sketch comedy bit where they parodied the scene from Mean Girls uh, in which whatever character explains to uh, the main character, who is it, Natalie Portman? or What are you talking about? What character? Who's the main character in Mean Girls? Uh, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. It is explained yeah. to her where she's supposed to sit, yeah. and then she accidentally sits with the plastics, and then they're confused that she uh, used to live in Africa. And in this sketch, uh, uh, Craig Council explains to Yasmani Grandal, the new brewer, where he should sit in the cafeteria, and he accidentally sits with the Hollywood wannabes, uh, including Brent Suter. Uh, and they, they do uh, a, a, a parody of that scene, including a thing where they can't understand <laughs> that he came from the Dodgers. Uh, but then he says, uh, I'm smart. I went to Harvard, which is true. Yeah. When did, why did he, because that was also my favorite part of that little sketch was that when Brent Suter said, I went to Harvard, but I can't remember what the context was. In the sketch? Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I'm just going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, why don't you just watch it again? We'll probably drop a clip in. Hey, wait. Sit down. Seriously, sit down. Why don't I know you? Um, you? I was acquired from the Dodgers. What? I used to play for the Dodgers. Wait, what? I was a catcher for the Dodgers in Los Angeles. No, no, I know who the Dodgers are. I went to Harvard. Could you give us some privacy for like one second? Yeah, sure. Okay, you should know, we don't do this a lot. So this is like a really huge deal. We want to invite you to eat with us before every game the rest of the week. Oh, it's it's okay. Cool. So we'll see you tomorrow. On Fridays, we wear pinstripes. It's cute. I think it's wanting. It well, okay, here's what astounds me about this. This is not a commercial for the Brewers, as far as I can tell. Like they're not gonna no. put this on TV. They did this because they wanted to make a fun video, which is great. Oh, they've done it they've done it before. Right. Yeah, no, they Remember like they to make this... a fun video. Is yeah, this... they did the Sandlot one. Right. But I don't yeah. think that this is, like, the Brewers ad department. I think that these players want to make this. Uh, I don't know specifically, um, but, yeah, I think it is just for, like... It's for fun. You can't put this on TV. For it's fun too on long. social media. Right. The... And also, might be copyright infringement? No, it's a parody. It's fine. Okay. What astounds me about it... <laughs> Is that they? This is a high production level thing, not high production level for an organization like the Brewers. They could make something really f- fancy, but it does involve like most of the Brewers roster is in this thing. Craig yeah. Council's in it. They do like a pretty good parody of the of the way the Mean the Girls thing is shot, yeah. and yet it seems that they put almost no effort into the acting. <laughs> well, I mean, it is like level I- one acting. I think it matters the least kind of like because like my thing was my favorite thing about the video and I was watching is that there are certain parts of the conversation 
uh, where I was like, oh, it'd kind of be interesting to hear baseball players talk about, like, where they came from. And Yasmani Grandal would be like, oh, yeah, I used to be in L.A. and, like, this, that, and the other. Right. Um, like, so on that level, watching that is like, oh, this could be, like, an interesting clubhouse conversation that you'll never be privy to otherwise. Okay. Um, even if it's obviously, like, up steeped in parody. Right. Like, it is cool to me to think of Major League Baseball players sitting around and talking about, like, what they used to do. Totally, yeah. I, I think that's interesting, too. I like Yasmani uh, Grandal in this role. Um, I liked him, too. It, it, it's, it's, it's weird to see a professional baseball player act intimidated. It's not something yeah. you see very often. Yeah, that's true. I, here's my thing. I think that they needed to, like, take a few too many liberties to make it work. Really? Like, the tattoo thing? No, no, more just, like, like, they needed to pick, like, the their own little, like, high school cliques. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Like, in the movie, it's like, here are all the high school cliques and where they sit at lunch. And with this one, I feel like they kind of had to make up some and, like... I didn't. I don't know. I like I it. No. Weird. What do you have a problem with? They got. I felt. They got felt the weird online that gamers. They got the prospects. I like that the prospects were in it. That was cute. Yeah. Uh, the card players were funny too. Yeah. Um, I, I felt imagine weird that that's Le- all real, right? Or not like legit sure. real, but like based on real stuff, especially the online gamers, which I think we'll get to. I f- yes. <laughs> I felt weird that uh, Lorenzo Cain and, and Jesus Aguilar were made to be separate. Well, yeah, Lorenzo Cain and Ryan Braun are at the MVP table, uh, which I like because they play the role of the the good friends in the movie. Uh, no, Loren- no, 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 no. The MVP table is Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. And they play the role of the good friends. Yeah. So, But the Lorenzo Cain and Jesus Aguilar were like the guys who look intimidating but are really teddy bears. Oh, right. They're big. They're big boys. Yeah, but like, that one kinda I don't sucks. know. I feel like I've I've been aware that like especially Jesus Aguilar is like a real team guy. Yeah. Um. And like, I don't know. He he he's he's like homegrown and he seems like a genuine, like, Milwaukee Brewers player as opposed to Lorenzo Kane. I don't know. I I just kind of have. Didn't he come over from Korea? Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. No, you're thinking of Eric Thames. I am thinking of Eric Thames. Uh, Thames is pronounced. Is it? It's pronounced not like the river, but like Thames. But also, um, why I feel like Brian Braun and Christian Yelich should have been the Mean Girls because they're the MVPs. You think they should have been the Plastics? I didn't totally track why Brent Suter and Josh Hader and Jeremy Jeffress were the. I suspect that the reason that they were the Hollywood wannabes is because they're the people who like to make the parody videos. Oh, that could be. I don't know about and Josh so Hader. They, they're I... doing the acting in it. I don't know about the... I know that Jeffress was in the um, Sandlot one. The Sandlot one, I think, is absolutely Sandlot perfect. one is terrific. Like, out of the park, like, perfect. Like, set the set the bar very high. It is. is I think why uh, I'm but I appreciate so them branching Girls. out, too, right? Like, in a way, the Sandlot is easy. It's a baseball movie. Uh, I yeah. think it took a little bit a little bit of courage to do Mean Girls, but they, they went for it. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I really liked about the Sandlot is that I think that they got all the like they got the characters right yeah in, in that they were able to be like all right well like steven vote is obviously the like you know the the like show offy catcher right um whoa you call that pitching uh. <laughs> this is baseball 
A tennis? Give me something I can hit. All right, Vote. This is my heater. I dare you to hit it. You'll be sorry. You want the heater? I'll give you the heater. Give him a basketball. Maybe then he'll hit it. Yeah! Vote, idiot. Now we can't play no more. Hit me with the heater. Blow it outside. Looks like I like it. Wait a sec. I'll get it. Oh, shot by the babe. No! And so in that, on that level, it's like, uh, you're not that far from reality. And so, you know, maybe you take your hat off to them for making an effort at, like, trying to map the Mean Girls world onto their baseball team. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not going to be as perfect a fit. Yeah. All right. So good for them for making the effort. I, th- I thought it was really cute. I like that Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun nod over to, to Yasmani Grandal as if to say, come sit with us. Yeah. Maybe it's nice that they're the nice guys. Yeah. Or like the friends. It is because, really, of all of the cliques that Yasmani Grandal would be allowed to be with, that would be the one that he's not. Because he's not He's not won an MVP award. He could very well play online games or cards. Yeah. Or even be an intimidating person. Probably there aren't as many cliques in a Major League Baseball clubhouse as this. I suspect that there are two distinct cliques, neither of which were mentioned in this video, which are Americans and Spanish-speaking players. I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know. The things things like this go a long way to making me believe that there's genuine team camaraderie. For sure. I, I uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's really neat to kind of see them being regular. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah. In conclusion, fun. I agree that it's fun. In conclusion. Uh, this, 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 this segment of the podcast, this segment, this segment of the podcast is called the kings of baseball and it's where we lay down our policy platform plank by plank in an effort to become the 2020 kings of baseball we're getting so close to what is almost certainly a very cohesive platform right and i I think that the the title is all but ours um if the the last step i guess is to make the proprietors of the award aware of our existence yeah we need to we need to mount a pr campaign i wonder if we could get all of our loyal listeners to tweet at someone to say uh, you should make tim and duncan the kings of baseball at who the proprietors of the award like i mentioned earlier maybe we should hire a publicist oh uh i wouldn't want that because then people might listen to the podcast though ah touche okay but welcome to the king of baseball welcome to it uh mike trout got a big old contract that's the big Um, the big news of the week is that mike trout got a very tiny contract what? We're going to disagree on this. You think that it was a small contract? I think that it was a small contract relative to his value. Yeah, everybody's been saying that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. I'm not going to disagree with you that he probably left money on the table. He left probably uh, hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. Yeah, but, you know, worth it so that he could be on the Angels for 12 years. I think it's interesting that he wants to be on the Angels for 12 years. Uh it would seem that Mike Trout deeply values security and familiarity. 
because he had the opportunity to become a free agent and make $500 million uh, at least. He could have come to Philly. He could have gone to Philadelphia, joined his his, his brother, uh, his literal fraternal brother, uh, Bryce Harper, <laughs> for $500 million probably or more. Uh, and he chose to stick around Los Angeles uh, for $340 million, right? $430 million. $430 million. He could have made way more than $500 million. I don't know what I'm saying. I think he could have made a billion dollars. Or I think at least this extension could have been worth a billion dollars at this point in his career for 12 years. Just, just what's the heuristic, right? He is twice as good as Bryce Harper. This is true. No, yeah. he's twice as good as, as Bryce Harper and um, Manny Machado put together, right? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, he's very good. He certainly definitely left money on the table. I think that it's probably safe to say that he values comfort and familiarity. I think that it is likely that he has been convinced that the Angels are making an effort to build a team around him. I think they are. Uh, I, I, you know, the Angels have been very unlucky with their entire time yeah. with Bryce, like with Mike Trout. I, I, yeah. There's... There's no reasonable case that the that they've completely tanked it because they've always tried to put together a good team. Right, they went and got Otani, especially. For sure. I mean, that's the least of it, right? Because Otani right. kind of chose them. They're, they did everything they could, but so did every team. But it's right. the other pieces that they put around them, like, um, uh, or I'll just check, no, no, the other one, the shortstop. Uh, Andrew and Simmons. Simmons, sorry. Like, no, I mean, they, they've put together reasonable teams. They've just never made the playoffs except one time they made the wild card game. It's kind of been Ian Kinsler a little bit. I want to look at the I want to look at their roster resource now, just to see what they got going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And 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 here's so so certainly there are reasons why he might want to stay in Los Angeles. I think he's trying to get into the pictures. Uh, Tim advances a theory <laughs> that Mike Trout wants to stick around the Hollywood area because he's making a go at being in the pictures. The the pictures. Just- uh, just like just like um, LeBron James is doing, yeah. Why not? Well, I will tell you why not. I, I think it's he's, two reasons. One, he's been in the Los Angeles area for quite a bit already, and he has made zero effort to get in the pitchers. Uh, and two, if he wanted to be in the pitchers so bad, uh, he could have just tried to sign a free agent contract with the Dodgers, who are in Los Angeles proper and not Orange County, or. Uh, he at least could have tested the free agent waters and re-signed with the Angels. Yeah, but he also... Uh... Or could have signed with one of the two New York teams. Yeah, no, this, these are all good points. He probably will not try to break into the pitch, the, the pitchers. The, the pitchers. Uh, let me tell you some things about the Los Angeles Angels projected 25-man roster. I'm curious to hear it. First thing, Mike Trout, they're projecting for 678 plate appearances. Uh, I, I doubt, I doubt it. I also doubt it. Uh, they did sign Justin Bohr this offseason. That's not a insignificant sign. I would argue it's an insignificant sign. You, you think so? Yeah, he's fine. He's like not much he's of good. anything. He's good. He's fine. I think he's good. I think he's merely fine. He was the JT, he was JT Real Muto before JT Real Muto even knew that he was JT Real Muto. No, he wasn't. 2017 he was good wasn't he with the marlins yeah he had a, yeah, he had a great 2017 right that's why the marlins went and traded him to the phillies uh-huh. and then how was he with the phillies less than good yeah 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 um but he's kind of like the casey mcgee before casey mcgee or after casey oh that's McGee, harsh casey mcgee i'm I sorry but it's true 
he had one kind of good season, and the team that he was on leveraged that, the Marlins did, and then he was never good again. He's going to hit 20 home runs this season. He might, but that doesn't make him good. Albert Poole's going to do that, too. I don't think Albert Poole's going to hit 20 home no, runs No, Albert Poole's going to get four home runs and be released. Albert Poole said that he wanted to play out his contract. I'm sure that he does. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what the Angels got have to say about that. Angels got Jonathan Lucroy behind the plate, That's too. That's true. I like... I like Jonathan Lucroy. I think he's not as good as I think he is. But he I like was once good, and yeah. now is bad. Yeah. Uh, Justin Upton's on the team. He's been on the team, right? Yeah. The outfield is. But they Cole signed Calhoun, Justin Mike. Upton, right? They signed Jonathan Lucroy. They signed Albert Pujols. All these things when Mike Trout was already on the team, right? All this to say, like no, they're they, making an effort. They traded Upton. They traded for Upton. Okay. They uh, they went out and got Justin Upton. Yeah. Um. So it breaks down Cole Calhoun, Mike Trout, and David Fletcher are the only players in the Angels starting lineup that are homegrown. Uh, And everybody else they signed or traded for. Right. So not a great job of developing players, obviously, but. And then they also have. uh, It seems like they're trying to go for it. Tommy Listella and Peter Borges waiting in the wings as well. Hurrah. Yeah. And then the pitching staff. Well, it's got Matt Harvey. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it does. It's got that Matt Harvey on it. Trevor Cahill. It's got Trevor Cahill on it. Uh, Tyler Skaggs. It's got Tyler Skaggs on it. Jaime Burry. It's got Jaime Burry on it. And Felix Pena. It's got Felix Pena on it. Otani, not ready for opening day, but it'll probably... It looks like they're projecting him for about 500 plate appearances. So I, we'll see how that goes. It's impossible to say, but by all indications, he's going to be hitting most of the year. I think the Angels still need some help. And I think that we can give them that help as the Kings of Baseball. Yeah. Okay. So what's your proposition? Uh, I think that we should put a tax on all the other teams for the amount of Mike Trout's contract like average annual value and it's a tax for not having mike trout on their team that's an interesting uh proposition my proposition was going to be a lot simpler but maybe less feasible uh well so let me finish sorry because here's what you do you tax those teams the amount of mike trout's average annual value which is like it's 430 over 12 years so what what is that like 35 million or so um you give all that money in a lump sum to the angels to add to their payroll. Oh, I see. And they they go out and get <laughs> everyone Mookie Mookie bats or something. Yeah, they Francisco, probably could buy Francisco Mookie bats off the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Hmm. That's a very interesting proposition. <laughs> the not hey, having trout tax. <laughs> yeah. Um. I love it. Here was my proposition. I think I'm on board with yours. Mine was simply to say that because we're all so upset at Mike Trout not having won a World Series and probably not going to win a World Series um, because he signed with the Angels, my proposition would be to make the Angels the 2019 World Series winners. Oh, just make them? Just ha- that's true. What if, what if someone else wins it, though? Then the Angels will have won. Oh, so it's like... They can play out the World Series or whatever. Right, Uh like normal, but then at the end, the Rob Manfred's gonna come out and say, "Congratulations to the Angels on winning the World Series." 
And then, like, Mike Trout runs out there real quick, and he's like, we did it. And Mookie Betts is, like, standing off to the side. J.D. Martinez has just hit, like, a walk-off home run in Game 7. And then they, the, the whole Red Sox file off the field. The Angels come yeah. on and start dogpiling each other. But, but, like, very politely, though. Like, everybody knows what the situation is. Right. Like, they're not, they're not mad about no. it. No. Yeah, they're like, well, this is, you got to get Mike Trout his World Series win. Well, I like this. I think that's a good idea. I think they're both good ideas. Maybe we can try your idea first to see if it works. Yeah. Okay. Because you're right that like my idea isn't a sure thing, whereas yours is by definition a sure thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, if the <laughs> Angels, I just want to do, got thirty six million dollars times twenty nine. Uh, oh boy. That's uh one billion forty four million dollars <laughs> per year. Okay, go get you. You can go get Mookie Betts, and just to treat yourself, go get Francisco Lindor too. I think you could get more than that. That's per year. <laughs> They have over a billion dollars <laughs> extra. You could buy out every team and every good player in baseball. Well, hang on. It's per year for every year that the Angels have Mike Trout. Yes. So overall, they're going to have more than $12 billion. Unless Mike Trout leaves. Why would Mike Trout leave this completely stacked team? If he wants to be in the pictures. He, he's already he's in Orange County now. I thought your whole point was that he was there to be in the pictures. Well, you made a very compelling point that he had a better chance of being in the pictures if he's in Los Angeles or New York. Right. I don't. I think that Mike Trout could demand a trade. He could say, if you don't trade me, then I will lie on the ground in the outfield like a slug, uh, just moving around like a little worm. And they would and the still angels... say, we won't, we will not trade you because we would be giving away $1,044,000,000 yeah. a year. Plus, they'd have to pay the exorbitant Mike Trout tax. Exactly, they would be losing. <laughs> they would also an additional thirty-six million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we actually kind of have a lot to do in this Kings of Baseball, so let's just keep moving. Okay, uh, we need to encourage more baseball players to be playing Fortnite. Word came out uh, uh, earlier in the week that. Um, Carlos Santana was it uh, smashed a TV yeah. in the video room because his, his teammates were playing too much Fortnite. In the middle of the game is how the story broke. Yeah. Now there's some contention as to whether or not that that's the whole truth. Um, Gabe Kapler said he didn't know anything about players playing in the middle of the game. So, but it is possible that Carlos Santana went and smashed the TV in the middle of the game. He was upset about his teammates not being engaged enough in the baseball game and instead playing for, Fork Knife. Fork Knife. Um, floor Knight. Saturday Night's All Right Fortniting. Um, uh, so, yeah, here's the thing, is that this kind of, this, this kind of burned really bright as a news story and then sort of the second opinions came in and everyone kind of acknowledged that the Phillies could have been more focused down the stretch regardless of what the truth was. Um, and also some people acknowledged this is really only a story because they didn't finish. And if they had, then this would have been excused. Um, and everyone kind of agreed that the Phillies did improve over the offseason. This is probably not um, going to be a story. So what I say is, why not let everyone just play as much Fortnite as they want to? Uh, I think that they should be have to pay attention to the game. Keeps you loose, keeps you happy. Uh, my experience Maybe... with Fortnite is that it, it kind of makes me unhappy. <laughs> well, what if instead of Fortnite it was Mario Kart 64? I think that would be a know... better alternative. 
Jose Ramirez is great at Mario Kart 64. Yeah, he's like a, an expert at Mario Kart 64. And you would yeah. think that that would just kind of be him bragging, but it seems to be confirmed that he beats everyone. <laughs> yeah, he knows all the he's shortcuts He's never lost a game at Mario Kart 64. All right, last thing, and I really only stuck this in the Kings of Baseball segment because I wanted to talk about it right okay. now. Um, seven baseball players have hit one home run. Seven separate players at this point yes. over those two games in Tokyo. Yes. What I want to know is, will any of those players end 2019 as tater tots? Can you read out who those players are for me? Certainly. Nyak, nyak, nyak. All right, here we go. Okay. Seven players. Great. Matt Chapman. No. Tim Beckham. Uh, maybe. Chris Davis. No. Domingo Santana. No. Stephen Piscotti. No. Ryan Healy. No. Mitch Hanniger. No. All right, so we're going to have to wait at least another week for the first tater tots. Who did I say might be one? Tim Beckham. Tim Beckham. Even he's unlikely. I don't think. I think none of those players will, will be tater tots. I mean, as evidenced by the fact that all of them have already hit a home run, they have a very good chance to hit another one. They put themselves in very good position. Especially Chris Davis, who is literally the home run leader last season. It seems unlikely, like barring injury. I, I suspect Chris Davis will probably hit at least one more home run. I can't tell you, and this will transition nicely into the last thing that we need to talk about here uh, before we get into the home run, even though it's been almost an hour and a half. Uh, I can't tell you how hard I was hoping for Ichiro to hit a home run uh, yeah. in those last few at-bats. Could you have imagined? That would have been like, that would have been a gift to us specifically. It would, yeah, it would have. I mean, everyone would have enjoyed it, but we would have sent him a basket of flowers. It would have been great for the narrative uh, of his career largely. It also would have been a boon to this podcast. Ichiro uh, announced his retirement after playing this two-game series in Japan. Uh, he re-signed with the Mariners, uh, with whom he made his name. Uh, and just uh, he made they, his... they played this this regular game series in Japan, and he went over seven. <laughs> God, you know, I was really mad at all the announcers who were like, "Well, this is a real baseball game. You can't just groove one to Ichiro." Of course, you can groove one to Ichiro. It's Ichiro. It's the best base. It's the best baseball player the last twenty five years. Let him in a home run. Let him be on our podcast. It would have been terrific if he could have been on our podcast. Season two of Tater Tots would have been Ichiro every episode. Absolutely. Um, and maybe we'll do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to, like, make up a home run. Uh, we'll pretend that he hit a home run in this series, and everyone said, ooh, ah. It wouldn't have made yeah. a difference. The, he, the Mariners won both games anyway. They were tied uh, going into the ninth, I believe. Yeah, but in the end, they won in, like, 12 innings or something. Did they really? I didn't watch the end of that yeah, game. Yeah, they did. I didn't, I didn't the watch either game. They were on at 5.30 in the morning. I watched the second... I watched more of the second one than I did the first one. Ichiro was in it, uh, trying, trying, to, trying to get a hit in his very last Major League Baseball game, and he didn't. So mad that they were like... like I, can't, I cannot overstate how mad I was that they were like, this one counts, it's real, we can't go goofing around for Ichiro. There are 162 Major League Baseball games. So in his last... You can, uh, uh, played appearance or his last at bat in which he grounded out uh, Marcus Semien double clutched uh, and Ichiro very nearly beat out an infield hit uh, in classic Ichiro form do you think that that was the equivalent of Marcus Semien grooving one like he was trying to make him get there uh, maybe but that's nothing you know what I mean like 
his effort is his effort means nothing to me. It would have had to have been the pitcher. Yes, or it would have had to have worked. Right. Well, it's tough because <laughs> you can't you can't make it into an error. It has to right. still be ruled a hit. So if he were attempting to let Ichiro get on base, I think he did about as much as he could. And if this had been four years ago, Ichiro would have made it. So very sad that Ichiro's retired, obviously. Uh, that The thing where Issei Kikuchi literally couldn't hold himself together uh, kind of ruined me. Yeah. Uh, very sad. Um, gonna miss Ichiro a great deal. He is one of my favorite baseball players of all time. So we do have an episode, though. What are you talking we, about? I know it's been, it's been an hour and a half. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's watch those dingers. Uh, it's two dingers. Which dinger should we watch? Sardinius first. Right field towards the corner. Does it have enough? Back it goes, and that ball is gone, and we're tied. How about that? Luis Sardinius comes off the bench, and his first home run of the year ties it. Wow. Oh, I'm telling you. Late on the fastball, right on time on the breaking ball. Probably thought he could strike him out. And he speeds up the bat with a slider. And the rest is history as he ties it up 5 5. Boy, one of the cardinal rules. If you guys late on your fastball, don't throw him a strike. And it's down and in. It's not a horrible pitch. It just speeds the bat up. It's a nice piece of hitting from Luis Sardinia. It's an interesting piece of hitting because that pitch was nowhere near the strike zone. Absolutely not. He got his bat around so quickly. Uh, he pulled the ball. Um, mm-hmm. On a pitch that was so far down and in that if he had taken it, it probably, it certainly would have been a ball oh. or maybe even hit his back. <laughs> it could have. It had a chance to hit him, uh, but he turned around on that one. Um, according to the announcers, he had been late on a previous fastball, um, but then he was promptly throwing a breaking ball, which was more his speed, and he swatted it right the heck out of there. Sardinius is kind of an interesting player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think probably more interesting. I- I'm looking at this, and, like, listen, spoiler alert, uh, the Tigers are going to wind up winning this game on the subsequent home run that we're going to talk about. Uh, but I was more interested this week in researching the Orioles players who were involved. Uh, Sardinia, here's the thing. He's a player, Luis Sardinius, who isn't really panning out. Um, he's bounced around a ton. He's been in the Rangers organization, the Brewers organization, the Mar- Mariners organization, uh, the Padres last year he was on the Orioles and now he finds himself on the Nationals. He had a chance to be the Padres starting shortstop in uh, 2017 and it didn't materialize. I think they wound up with like Freddie Galbis or something, mm-hmm. which is not, he's no slouch. No. Um, but I mean, this is a guy who bounces around. He, he seems like he has some serious game. He's certainly like some kind of at least Pete Cosma-esque baseball player. I think that you would call this kind of player toolsy. Sure. Um, he, he's he got that sheen of top prospectness. He was a top 100 prospect coming out of Venezuela. Um, second best in the Rangers organization. Second best in the Rangers in- organization and top 100. So, you know, that, that speaks to his standing among the Rangers and among baseball as a whole. And when yeah. you kind of 
when you're that kind of player, I think that you get a little bit more leeway, even when you're bad. Teams are still willing to take a chance on you in case that latent potential develops uh, late. And I think that's kind of where Luis Sardinius finds himself. Yeah, uh, and that's that's a kind of a good segue. Let's keep it moving and put on the Dixon Machado one. Let's put on the Dixon Machado dinger so that we can watch it. Machado hammers one to left field. That ball is hit deep. It is way gone. And that's a walk-off winner for Dixon Machado. First home run of the season, the Tigers walk him off. What a crazy game. What a miserable day to have had uh, someone throw a big jug of water on you. I was going to note in the previous clip how many of the Orioles players were wearing beanies because it's cold in Detroit in April. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, then and then this home run is a, a is a is a terrific walk off home run uh, by Dixon Machado in the bottom of the ninth, and then one of the coaches comes and dumps an entire Gatorade jug uh, full of water not onto Dixon Machado but onto who is it? Just like just like the big pile. It seems like I didn't see it hit anybody in particular. It didn't seem like it was a very precise attack. Uh, I, I I think most of it went onto. Uh, Heimer Candelario, one of the backup third basemen who did nothing, did not deserve to be so incredibly cold. <laughs> Those are the breaks. That's what happens when you hit a walk-off for some reason. For some reason, like other very... people have to get cold or sticky. It's just like super aggro, I feel like. Like if you also watch this video, like they're just all trying to kick him in the butt. Like <laughs> yeah. really kick him in they're the butt. They're not like a lot of times when someone hits a walk off, everyone greets them at home plate and they're jumping up and down like they're raising the roof. In this place, they're all actively swinging their feet trying to kick him in the butt. <laughs> it's not uncommon though, where it's just like I feel like every time there's a walk off event, it's something where like that guy needs to get beat up for some like you ever see a walk off like double where the guy like hits the double, yeah. he rounds second base, and he keeps running because his teammates are chasing him down. <laughs> yes, they're chasing him, trying to beat him up. They said, uh, this is the last time you're ever going to hit a double once we're through with you. <laughs> Just be nice. Maybe, Just be maybe nice they to... do this out of jealousy. The reason they're trying to kick and punch him oh. is because they're mad that he's so talented. Right. Well, I mean, listen, <laughs> Dixon Machado was not long for the Detroit Tigers. He, like Dowell Lugo... Uh, came down with a pretty mean case of the Tigers signing Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer. Yeah, and maybe uh, also the Tigers were upset at him for having the decency to end this to cold ball game runs. in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, very rude. Um, this was a terrific home run. Uh, this was probably at the beginning of Tater Tots when we were still organizing the home run that we were the most excited about. Now, I don't know yeah, why I mean, it, we were more excited about this than Trevor Plouffe's, which uh, is objectively a better dinger, but... <laughs> It's still a very exciting walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth at the end of a, a very exciting baseball game that featured two tater tots. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. Um, yeah, you know, I th- I think I was just jazzed about... I, I feel like maybe I didn't recognize what Trevor Plouffe was at the time. Right. Um, and I was just kind of excited about Dixon Machado. Dixon Machado is exciting listen, because I've never heard of him before. <laughs> He's made his way over to the Marlins now, but listen, on the other side of this walk-off home run is an excellent young pitcher by the name of Pedro Ar- Pedro Araujo. 
Say it again. I believe it's got an accent over the U when I looked it up. So I believe it's Araujo. It's A-R-A-U with an accent, J-O. Araujo. Um, yeah, so I, I, I found like a lot of kind of interesting reading material on him when we were rule five for the Orioles yes. in 2017 from Chicago, which is like the more that I think about rule five, the more I'm like absolutely fascinated by it because you're taking like a he was a high A pitcher. You know, it's it's double A at best. And you, they also have like lower tiers of rule five where you can take a double A player and put him in a triple A and so on and so forth. But you can also just snatch up a prospect, like a young prospect from another yeah. team, and stick him in your major league roster. It doesn't happen very see. often. The Padres did it uh, two years ago with two young players who, <laughs> where they picked from like low A. It was a fascinating experiment. They both were terrible, but they were like, well, like the Padres were going to be terrible anyway. They said, what if we take two players who are nowhere near ready for the major leagues, but who might provide some value down the line, and just keep them in the major leagues so that we are able to keep them? Yeah, uh, and it seems like that's kind of what the Orioles are shooting for with Pedro Araujo. Okay, yep. I don't know. Yep. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's a uh, tough name to pronounce, and I, I don't even he, know if that's the correct pronunciation. He got hurt down the stretch, so he needs to start uh, the first two weeks of this season um, on the Orioles uh, so roster. So that carries over from the last season? That's what it seems like. I didn't know that, it, that like... it, it could carry over like that. I know that there are exceptions. So the Rule 5 rules are you have to keep the player on your roster the entire season or they have to go through waivers and then can be reclaimed by the team from which you stole them. Well, it seems like... It seems like so the team gets... If, if they go through waivers and fall back to the team, you have to sell them back to them for half price because right. $100,000 to buy him in the Rule 5 draft and then... Uh, if if it doesn't work out, he goes back for half price. Yeah. Um, I guess it 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 makes sense, right? That they make an allowance for injuries, because it, it it seems like you shouldn't lose a player just because he got hurt uh-huh. in this circumstance. Um, so that's that's what happened. He had an elbow injury in June. He went on the sixty day DL, uh, and the Orioles are gonna have a shot to hang on to him. It seems like that's what they're gonna do because he um, was a pretty valuable prospect in in Chicago, mm-hmm. albeit like you know, inexperienced. Um, he looked good in, in the Dominican, and the Orioles are kind of excited about him, I guess. It, this is my thing about the Orioles, right, and why I wanted to talk a little bit about Anthony Santander as well. Um, did some reading on Anthony Santander and, like, just, like, you know, analysis stuff from Orioles bloggers about his swing and how he's developing. He's a 2016 Rule 5 guy. Um and Luis Sardinius is a guy who has like prospect cred, yeah, and you know has bounced around and the. And it's interesting to look at a team like the Orioles, who I have only known from a distance to be bad, and see how they're made up of. You know, prospects, potential players. Right. I mean, when um, you're in the Orioles' position, your goal is to take a lot of risks on the off chance that you might hit on somebody. So that's what that kind of roster is going to be made of. People who will most likely be bad, but who might accidentally become part of your next core. It is interesting that they like that they have popped up, though, just like in the course of our doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like this podcast is sort of like weighted toward players who don't get to shine that often, obviously, um, but who still can shine a little bit. Um, And even uh, uh, Araujo, who 
didn't shine in this instance. Mm-hmm. Like he was still in a leveraged position in the bottom of the ninth, um, uh, as a player who hasn't seen action beyond high A. Right. Uh, and this was early in his tenure uh, with the yeah. Orioles. This was April, uh, at the beginning of the season. Interesting to see them give these guys chances. Interesting that they're like excited about them and aren't just like, this guy's a roster filler until we can find the next Manny Machado. Yeah. Um, it makes me excited about the Orioles. Kind of. The Orioles are in a very bad way. I'll say that. Like Last year was wasted for them. None of their prospects got any better. The team became a lot worse. Yeah. Um, so if you're excited for the Orioles, it might be a bit of a wait. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm excited about, I, I just like, am excited to see their process. Um, uh-huh. cause they, they do, I, I will grant you that they do kind of stink of desperation right now. Um, but desperation would be a kind way to describe it. I would say they stink of stinkiness. <laughs> what I'm saying is that they're like, they're, they're trying to like piece together a ball club with, you know bubblegum and spit uh and it's cool to see these guys perform in one way or another it's cool to get Luis sardinius involved uh it's cool that the fan base is even if it's not working out with anthony Santander the way they want it to it's cool that they're interested in him and they'd like to see him succeed uh and it's cool that even if it didn't work out this time for araujo that uh (laughs) he did give up a walk-off home run he certainly but did. But they still got to stick with him for at least, what did you say, like he's 20 got more innings? Two more weeks. Two more weeks uh, on the roster. You got to be on the roster for 90 days, and he got hurt two weeks shy of it. Um, and, and and of all these guys, honestly, it seems like he has the most potential. Sardinius uh, signed a minor league deal with the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Santander got sent down. Yeah. Uh, and uh we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he's got a live arm. He, it seems like he has some trouble with his location, but that's a very minor league problem. To that have. sounds like every minor leaguer <laughs> I've ever known. Yeah, uh, and it's a it's a fixable problem. I don't I don't know he's going to be whatever like Craig Kimbrell or something, but he could be valuable to somebody somewhere down the line. It's exciting to see him get game, you know, experience. High yeah, le- experience, high leverage situation. I hope for the best for him. Hey, he's not a tater tot, but maybe we're going to have to keep track of him. I would like to, at least like peripherally, because, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's curious to, uh, maybe the Orioles are more cynical than I give them credit for, just because, like, the Pirates are very cynical. Like, as a fan, it, it, it's, it's a very cynical experience to be a fan of the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it's just an opportunity for me to be, like, Less cynical about a bad baseball How do you team, feel yeah. about the Phillies? Are you cynical about them? Very hopeful. Hmm. That's. I mean, it feels that feels very good to be like, ah, this baseball team has signed the best player in baseball that was available this offseason. That's cool as heck. And you you feel like you didn't get that experience being a fan of the Pirates? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think the Pirates have refused to spend money since like two thousand and forever. The Pirates have never spent a single dollar on a player. The largest free agent contract ever given to a Pittsburgh Pirates. Russell Martin. It was Russell Martin in like 2004. It worked out for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Until it didn't. It's fine. I, it's fine. It, it's evidence that they should spend more on different players instead of just being content to be a bad baseball team or like an a average ever, baseball ever. team every year and never make the playoffs. And, until they luck into another MVP candidate, which 
you know, those come along as often as like Barry Bonds and then Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, once every 20 years ain't too bad. Uh, You're not excited for 2024? Can I tell you the thing about Barry Bonds? 2034, maybe. Yeah, tell me about Barry Bonds. Did you know that he was a perennial MVP candidate? Yeah, Barry Bonds, um, and I mean no offense to Andrew McCutcheon, whom I love. Uh, Barry Bonds was much better than Andrew McCutcheon. Yep, and then Jim Leland got in some fight with him, and <laughs> he left and became the greatest baseball player of all time. Um, and the uh, great thing about that story uh, is that he signed with the San Francisco Giants, and he did most of his good baseball playing for them. It's a, it's a happy ending to that story. You know, I've never been particularly salty about Barry Bonds, because yeah. uh, obviously Until along just with now. all that... Honestly, like, along with all the stuff about, like, you know, the drama with the Pirates and him leaving and everything came a lot of, you know, extra baggage that when I look at it, I don't really envy the baggage yeah. having to, having to deal with sure. that. But he was also a perennial MVP candidate. Uh, exceptionally good player. He won more MVPs than anybody else. Yeah, uh, and the Pirates had him and they let him slip through their fingertips. Uh, yeah, like so much water through... Like so much water through... Like so many urine tests through fingertips. Through fingertips. <laughs> How do urine tests work? I don't you know. You pee into your fingers. Oh, okay. And then if you it pee sticks, into someone else's fingers, it's steroids. That's like a little mnemonic for you. Same as with spaghetti. Yeah, you know it's ready. It's spaghetti. If it sticks. Do to you the know wall. this about spaghetti? This is a valuable tip. Do you if know you this? Throw it at the wall and it sticks. I've heard that that's not true. I mean, every time I do it, it comes out good spaghetti, so I don't know. I usually just see whether the spaghetti is ready to go by sticking a fork in it and pulling out one piece of spaghetti and then putting it in my mouth and then burning my mouth on the boiling water. Why do that when you could throw it against the cabinet? Well, because then my cabinet will be dirty. What dirty? What? It's got starchy spaghetti on it. I... I don't even know what to say to this. Like, oh, oh, you don't know what to say to the idea that spaghetti might make a mess? It's not going to make a mess. It's one noodle. What are you talking about? Well, how do you know that just because one noodle's ready, the rest of them are ready? You got to take a whole two handfuls of spaghetti and chuck them at the wall. <laughs> and then, yeah, my wall's dirty. If they're not ready, then my floor is dirty and slippery. I really don't know what you're talking about dirty. It's starchy. Like, if you spill spaghetti water on the stove, as I do, you get this white coating that you have to sop up, right? But you don't throw, like, water. You just the take one noodle. spaghetti is watery. It's covered in water. That's how it cooks. No, it's it's sticky. It's dry. It's... Oh, God. I don't... You and I have very different perspectives on this. Yeah. Apparently. Do we have anything else to talk about? We're ending this one on a very sour note. <laughs> Well, it's been almost two hours. <laughs> Maybe we've been recording too long. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> We're arguing about spaghetti preparation. <laughs> uh, did, what a what a what a great uh, game! They went back and forth. It ended on a walk off from Luis Sardinas. Uh, very it's cool. a walk off. That's all I gotta say about it. Yeah, it was an exciting moment for two young baseball players. Yeah, two two tater tots. Uh, Two, two varied classic tater tots sure. who are not on the team at the beginning of the season that they were on the beginning of last mm-hmm. season. Um, 
and that's sort of what this whole thing is all about is celebrating celebrating those moments uh, and those those moments of uh, opportunities and those players yeah yeah uh and also wet spaghetti i i love wet spaghetti i even love the spaghetti water i just don't love it on my walls that's gonna do it for us this week on tater tots uh, of course, you can find the link to donate to Baseball for All. That's an initiative that gets uh, young girls involved in baseball leagues around the country. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Tater Tots Pod. You can like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Tater Tots Pod. You can email us, of course, tatertotspod at gmail.com. Next week, uh, maybe I really don't know how to phrase like where we are in the season. This is the last, last official episode. It's our last Tater Tots. And then we'll give you some yeah. more information at some point as right but so next Once week we will be the out. last the last 2018 tater tot discussion and that's of course the hall of famer chase utley um real excited about that one duncan's kind of smirking i don't think he likes the characterization we'll have some thoughts on chase utley coming up we will uh and until then we will talk to you later yep. uh bye Division of competition Never worlds collide To be the biggest fish In the smallest pond On the middle island Where I shall reside But keep playing out In the Texas League And meanwhile After too much And also from running too fast You run out of gas Possible. The littlest league possible.